Today on Bridges, we are talking about Love Never Fails. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join me today. I'm so thankful that love never fails. And when I look at how love is defined in the book of Corinthians, which we many times call the love chapter, I think of how amazing that God's love is and how through our relationship with the Son Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, how we can love the same way. So I want us to start off today just looking at 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 8 to get us started out of the New Living Translation. It says there, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Those words are so comforting and so assuring to me and helps me and I hope helps you understand what true love is. Because we use the word love like really easily. You know, people will say, well, you know, I love that restaurant. I love French fries. I love Saturdays. And what we mean is we really like those things. We're not really talking about the biblical definition of love. But I want us to say, as we talk today about love never fails, I am unashamedly talking about what the Bible defines as love. I know that the word love is used easily. It's used, um, you know, it can be hijacked, but for other purposes. And so, but we are going to talk about love from a biblical perspective and what God says about us. And so when we look at love never fails, I want us, as we talk about love, to take a look at the story or part of the story of the prodigal son. Because while the prodigal son is about a loving dad, his prodigal son and his good son, (laughs) it really depicts the father's love for us and gives, gives us a picture of what true love looks like. So we're going to pick up in just a moment where the prodigal son has returned home. The father is thrilled uh, because his son who is lost is now found. And so the father wants to throw a party. He wants to celebrate and he wants his servants. He wants his family. He wants everybody to be in on this celebration. He wants the finest robe brought out. He wants there to be music. He wants all the things so that they can celebrate this very happy homecoming. But we'll find out as we look in the story, not everybody's happy about this. So I'm going to read here in just a moment, Luke 15, and I'm going to start in the verse, uh, verse 25 here. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what is going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry 
and wouldn't go in. Now. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let's just take a look at this family and what is happening. We don't know the family's entire story, but we know that the family was broken uh, when the prodigal son earlier asked for half of his inheritance and asked for it before his dad even died and took off and lived in a distant land. We know that especially in that day and age, it would have brought a lot of shame to the family. We know also how disrespectful it would be to treat one of your parents this way, to ask for an inheritance while they're still alive, and then to go squander all of that money, all you know that his dad had worked for. But now we're at the point that that prodigal has come to his senses. And the good son, who's always been the good son, was out there in the fields working when the prodigal comes home. And so he enters the scene. For him, up until this point, it's a day like any other day, right? He's out working in the fields and his younger brother is gone doing whatever. And I'm sure he experienced his own amount of hurt and heartbreak and disappointment with having his younger uh, brother take off. So he asked, right, because there's party, there's music. That's not hard to understand. If I got home, right, and I can hear music and there's dancing in the house and all of that, I'm going to ask, hey, what in the world is happening? But when the good son, when this older son understands that his younger brother has come back and that his dad is responding to the prodigal's return with the party, with celebration, with killing the fattened calf, with music, with dancing, he got mad and he wasn't going in. He was not going to join that celebration. So truth number one for today is don't expect everybody to celebrate. You all, there are times that we're going to get good news. We are going to receive answered prayers. We're going to receive something that just really makes our heart happy. Unfortunately, regrettably, much to our disappointment and sometimes our chagrin, not everybody wants to go along with the party with us. They don't see it that way. They're not rejoicing. They've got this, that, or the other thing going on. And this father sees at this point that there's this problem. And I can't imagine, right, what this father is experiencing. His son who was lost is now found. The son who'd always been by his side, the son who had been the good son. And now he's mad and he's angry, the good son, the older son, and he won't go into the party. And scripture says his father came out 
and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you never once you never once refused to do and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Okay. So we've got a problem here. We've still got dysfunction and problems in this family. And dysfunction is always usually introduced by sin, by rebellion, by us not obeying God's word. And so it started with this prodigal son and his actions. And now the dad is at this place of his lost son's safe return. And now the good son has a few things that he wants to say. And so he wants to let his dad know, look, man, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Never once did I miss. And you didn't give me a party with my friends. Mm, I didn't hear any music. I didn't hear any dancing for me. But this son of yours, notice he didn't say my brother, this son of yours is back. He squandered your money, dad on prostitutes. Look at what that kid's been doing. And now you're welcoming him back. So the older son, he regards himself as the good son. And that's how most of us would view him. He's the good son. He's been doing the right thing all along. The younger son rebels. The sin of rebellion causes chaos, dysfunction, heartbreak in this family. And the older son's response to the younger son's sin just adds to this dysfunction. His father, go on, will pick up there in scripture. And it says that his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother who was dead and has now come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. So... (laughs) We see this situation of a loving father. And again, this is depicting a picture for us to help us understand our heavenly father's love for us and how love never fails when it's biblical love. He's saying, man, we have every reason to celebrate. He's saying, good son, you've always been by me. Everything that I have is yours. Always, it's always been yours. And now your brother who was lost to us, who was dead to us, he's found. We need to celebrate. So now there's this tug of war for this dad, right? It's celebrating the younger son's safe return and trying to encourage the older son. Would you participate, please? Like, I've been missing your brother for years. This has been a problem. And now it's resolved. Would you just come in. He begs him, the word of God says, he begs him to come in. And he's dealing now with the good son's anger and rebellion. And so we see in this depiction of this story, we also see the attitude of when Jesus, you know, with the Pharisees, they perceive themselves as the good ones, the ones who search the scriptures every single day. And yet Jesus says they found no life in them, but yet... They thought that they were the good ones. 
And didn't they criticize Jesus ever so sharply by calling him? And they meant this in a negative way that he's a friend of sinners. They said, you know, you're a drunkard, you're a wine bibber because you hang around with the least of these. And so there, there were the good ones or the ones that thought they were the good ones. And like, why are you going after these least of these? In some translations, it says scum of the earth. There's a point in scripture where it says, you know, if you knew what that woman was really like, if you were a prophet, if you knew what she had really done, oh, you would not let her be washing your feet. You see, we have these ideas in our heads about good and bad and right and wrong and what love looks like when in fact, what I've read out of Corinthians in the 13th chapter, that love, God's love, Biblical love never fails. It always hopes, it always perseveres, it always endures. And so we see this lifted up. We see this out in front of us to show us. And we can even look in today, not just way back at the Pharisees, but today in churches, in relationships, that there can be a person that's estranged from a church, a person that backslides. There, there can be a situation where a lost person comes into church and they give their hearts to Christ and people are like, what? I mean, we've been the good ones. Like we've been here all along. You're going to let her or you're going to let him do that? This is still happening today. We see this attitude continue. And we have to be careful as followers of Christ not to become entitled like this good son did. We can't be like, I can't even believe that person got saved. Let's see how long that lasts. I mean, do you know what all they did? Well, time will tell if they're really sorry. You all, we were all lost at one point. And thank God for love that never fails. Thank God that his relentless love sought us out and pursued us. We say things like, well, I found God and that's not true. We don't find God. He finds us. Scripture says he seeks for us in a barren and in a desolate place. He's been seeking every one of us every single day of our life, hoping that we would open up our eyes and see who he is and recognize who he is and call upon his name so that we can be saved. So we have to be careful when we talk about love never fails, when we look at this prodigal son story, part of it is meant to help us open up our eyes to the attitudes and the entitlements that can take hold in anybody's life. In all likelihood, this good son was probably very hurt over what his brother did. He might've even felt ashamed. And he let that hurt linger in his heart and disappointment more than likely to a place that anger built and built and built to the point that when his brother repented to come home, he wasn't willing to celebrate. And we have to be careful about that. We have to be careful. And truth number two that I'll share with you today is about guard your heart because every one of us are susceptible to when we get hurt, when we get disappointed, somebody lies on us, blah, blah, blah. If we don't guard our hearts, we will become anger, angry and bitter, and we might not be able to celebrate some of the good things that God is doing in our lives or in our families because we're so mad. 
Look with me, if you would, at Proverbs 4 and verse 23, and I'll read it out of the New Living Translation. And it says there, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So if something determines the course of our life and the way that we're going to go, it's worth guarding and protecting. So we don't know all what this good son went through, the one who served and did everything his dad requested, but we know that somehow anger settled in his heart to the point that it became a stronghold in his life to the point that he could not forgive his brother, uh, even give his brother that second chance of mercy. He just wasn't able to do it. And so we have to be careful in our lives to guard our hearts. And I know, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, reconciliation in relationships is not always possible, but forgiveness is always possible with the help of Christ. That's what God's word tells us to forgive as we've been forgiving. And we go back to love never fails. When we look at 1 Corinthians 13, one of the things that it says is love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, some people will extrapolate that to mean that we can't ever talk about it if somebody hurts us or whatever. If you take the, if you look at the Bible in context, it does say we keep no record of wrongs. It also says if someone sins against us, that we talk to them about it privately to start with. And then if that doesn't work, we take somebody else. So we can certainly talk about things as they happen. Our heart would be with the point or the objective of working it out, of knowing that even if reconciliation isn't possible, that forgiveness is always possible. We have to guard our hearts, guard our relationships, or we're going to end up like this good son who did all the things he was supposed to do. He checked off every single box with his dad, but he let anger rob him of a relationship with his brother. And we have to be careful with our brothers and sisters in the church, with new people that come into the family of God. We have to guard our hearts against feeling entitled because we've been doing the right things for longer than they have. I had that experience just in my first year of being saved. For one year, I went to a private Christian school. And so I got saved while I was attending that school. So my classmates knew me before I was a believer and they knew me after. And so once I accepted Christ, my eyes, I've really, my eyes just really opened up and I really dug into God's word and, and started to grow in Christ, which is the point of all of this. But there were other classmates that were jealous when I was given different opportunities because they're like, well, she hasn't been here that long. She's only been a Christian, you know, for three months. And like, we've been Christians all of our lives. It's entitlement and it can happen to anybody. And it happens when we don't see life and relationships the way that God does. It happens when we don't guard our hearts. It happens when we refuse to understand that the whole point of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. Look with me at Hebrews 12, and I'm going to read there, uh, start reading there, uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 15. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. 
that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up in you to trouble and corrupt many. So what this scripture is talking about are those times that we don't guard our hearts, those times that we just let stuff in. And this scripture says to work at living at peace with everybody. We're to live a holy life as Christ is holy. And only he can give us the power to do that. It says to look after one another. In other words, to help one another, to be careful that none of us fail to receive the grace of God and that a poisonous root of bitterness grows up in us and defiles many. Remember, we're the community of faith. We're the body of Christ. So if I let stuff into my heart and it makes me bitter and it makes me jaded, it can and will affect other people according to the word of God. And that's exactly what's happening in this good son's life. That anger became that stronghold and now it's grown up in him. And so his dad is at this place to celebrate because the lost son is home and he's having a tug of war with the good son because he's angry and he won't go in. So unforgiveness, bitterness, all of those things, they just don't affect us. They affect everybody else in our lives. And so that's why Hebrews says, watch out for one another. Sometimes we can say to a family member, well, you know, let's pray about that. Let's not let this grow into what it doesn't need to grow into. Yep, we deal with the problem, but once we've dealt with the problem, we forgive and we move on, whether reconciliation is possible or not. We're talking today about how love never fails. And one of the ways that love never fails is by being patient with others, being kind, keeping no record of wrongs, always hoping, always trusting, always persevering. I know I'm so glad that God hasn't given up on me, that he's still working with me. He's still working in me. He's still working in my family. And he's doing the same for you. His word says he's no respecter of persons. So I want to give you an opportunity today in the online extras to reflect on this scripture in Hebrews and just really ask the Holy Spirit to really look at your heart and to shine the light on any root of bitterness or stronghold of anger, any one of those things. And they happen to all of us. We live in a fallen world. And our part is when we hear the word, to hear it and to do it, to obey it. Say, Holy Spirit, help me see if there's any areas that I've let the enemy come in and that that root of bitterness would grow up in me and would choke out many. Truth number three for today is his Love never fails. Love rejoices, the Bible says, when the truth wins out. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 again for just a moment. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so one of the ways that you can help yourself just dissect these four verses of scripture is to ask yourself, am I being patient? Am I being kind? 
Am I envious? Am I boasting? Am I proud? You kind of go through that not as a checklist, but as a searchlight and asking the Holy Spirit to show you. Because certainly in the story that we looked at today or part of the story of the prodigal son and the good son and the loving dad is that love never fails. That dad was ready and willing to receive his prodigal home. But the brother who had been doing the right things all along wasn't able to enter into that celebration, wasn't able to forgive, wasn't able to have any sort of reconciliation in what we were able to read today. And God doesn't want that for us. Love never fails. He doesn't want us to be hold on to anger day after day after day. The Bible says you can, we can be angry and sin not, but it becomes a sin when we hold on to it. And we know when we do that. We know when we get bitter. We know when we get resentful. Those are red flags. Those are cautionaries to us. They're cautionaries to us to step back, to invite the Holy Spirit in, and to ask for help in processing all of the things that go on. As we talk about love never fails today, really, this story of this prodigal son, that's a lot of pain. That's a lot of problems in a household. And without God's help, without the love of the Father, without the God kind of love, none of us can make it through in our families or in our churches. And God, what does he say? How good, how pleasant it is when we can dwell together in unity. His word says love never fails. That of all the things, that love is the greatest. And so it's really an admonition to us to make sure that our hearts and our lives are well in line with him. I hope that as we've talked today, that you've seen the prodigal son story maybe in a little bit of a different way. And who knows what, which one of the characters that we most identify with. Maybe the dad of waiting for a prodigal to come home, ready to restore the prodigal to sonship. Maybe we're the good son or the good daughter, like we've been doing all the right things and nobody ever gave us a party. But the one thing that all of them needed, the good son, the prodigal son, the loving father, and the one thing that we all need today is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need the love that never fails. And if we haven't received the love that never fails, we're not going to be able to give it because we don't know what it is. So I know that as I look through the prodigal son story, I can see myself in all the different characters at various times in my life, and that's how it goes. But the point is to point us to Jesus Christ, to help us to understand it's not a worldly definition of love and how the world has hijacked that definition, but it's God's definition of love. And what he wants you to have and what he wants me to have is a love that never fails, that we know that we have an ongoing relationship with him. No matter how much people debate the Bible, they argue the Bible, regardless of the social media wars, that we understand the Bible is a book of God's relentless love for people and that all who will call upon the name of his son will be saved. I'm almost out of time today, but I want to leave you with today's truth. And that is love 
never fails. I'll see you next time again on Bridges and we'll have more hope for the journey. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.